Welcome in, bienvenue, and welcome to CMO Convo. So happy to see you here for another round of all the topics marketing leaders need to know about. We're digging into the big world of data security with Jody Daniels, CEO of Privacy Consultancy, Red Clover Advisors. Many marketers out there might see new data privacy laws as a weight that's going to prevent them from succeeding. But what if it wasn't a curse, but a blessing? What if data security is actually essential to building trust with your customers? Listen on as we take a look at what data privacy really means and why the new laws can actually be a benefit to your abilities as a marketing leader. Hi, Jody. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad you're here as well, because this is a, a topic that is really important to CMOs and to marketing leaders, and it's data privacy. And it's something I haven't really been able to explore on the show yet because I don't know that many data privacy experts. So I'm very excited to be having this discussion with you because it's it's something that's top of mind, I think, for a lot of CMOs, but also for consumers and customers as well. So we really get um, good to explore this topic with you, Jody. Uh, but before we do get into that, maybe you could introduce yourself to our audience and tell us why particularly you want to speak to CMOs about this. Absolutely. Well, hi, I'm Jody Daniels, and I'm CEO of my consulting company called Red Clover Advisors. And we are a data privacy consulting company helping organizations comply with what I call the alphabet soup of privacy laws. Now, how I got here is an interesting journey. I honestly started my career as a financial statement auditor at Deloitte, and then I went and did financial work at a really large company called The Home Depot. From there, I did some strategy work. And then I went over to Cox Enterprises, which is a huge media conglomerate here in the United States. And I did strategy work and targeted advertising. And that's how I got into privacy. I essentially stalked you for cars uh, before Facebook did that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and from there, the industry had some rules. They were trying to self-regulate, ironically, before government legislation would come along. And ultimately, I was responsible for privacy, created a full-time privacy program. And then my last corporate stop was at Bank of America, where I was a digital privacy expert. And I left all of that because I could see that there was a big hole and people find privacy complex. Laws were coming. GDPR was just coming on the scene as, as I started my company. And you know, there aren't a lot of privacy professionals. There's a growing list of privacy professionals now, um, but it's still a really new field. Companies are trying to figure it out. And my favorite part is really blending that intersection of marketing and privacy. And we're going to talk all about why it's my favorite, but that's kind of how I got here. Awesome. Awesome. So data privacy, it's often seen as rightly or wrongly, a bit of a burden. That's something that we have to do to satisfy legal requirements. But we're, we're going to be taking the approach in this episode that that's not really the case, that it can actually be a benefit to CMOs. Is that right? Absolutely. I have all kinds of beliefs and reasons why I think that is a true statement. So before we start digging into that, Jody, let's, uh, let's sort of like look at the state of data privacy right now. Like what is sort of the landscape that CMOs and marketers are dealing with at the moment? Well, the reality, and this is why people feel like it's a burden, is because there's a lot of complexity. There are various laws. In the EU, we have GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation, right? And then the we have the UK version. And in the United States, we have five state privacy laws wow. coming into effect in 2023. That's on top of in the United States, what we call sectoral laws. What do I mean? Well, there's a law that governs email. 
There's a law that governs text messages and auto dialing. There's a law if you're in the health space or in the financial space. Back in Europe, we have the uh, e-privacy directive that's been here for a while. In Canada, they have their own. There's honestly 150 global privacy laws. Now, GDPR is considered the gold standard, and many of the newer laws that are getting passed in countries around the, the world are mirroring that law. Some are changing it just a little bit. Some are copying it like word for word and plopping in their own country name. And and then here in the United States, you know, we like to do things different. So we just mix it all up in a big melting pot of confusion. And that's kind of the reality is if you're a CMO, you, you're trying to figure out, well, which law and what are the rules and how do I make sure I'm meeting the actual compliance requirements? What I'd leave people with is, yes, there are some complexity. Yes, there's very specific things that you have to do. If we boil down what all the laws are after, it's transparency, choice, and essentially thinking before you do. In other words, I have to have a business purpose. I have to think about the customer, the individual first, then the company. And that's a flip from the way it's been. Most are, it's all good for me, the company, so that's okay. I'm just going to collect as much as I possibly want. Maybe I'll use it someday. Maybe I'll tell you. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll give you a choice. Maybe I won't. And and that didn't really work. You had some companies who pushed the envelope, did some things that were nefarious. The rule makers always come along after that and set some rules for the rest of us. And that's kind of where we are. I feel like as the guidepost to our conversation, if we remember those basic principles, which are notice, choice, and really thinking before we do, then it doesn't feel as hard, even though, yes, there are a long list of requirements, and that's what we're doing all day long. Uh, It's good job security for us. (laughs) (laughs) That's great to hear. Um, So I I think it's quite interesting with these these regulations and these laws is how how aware the, the the public are that these laws exist like compared to other like media standards and regulations then it's not just something that's in the background these misdeeds these nefarious actions by the the companies that have led to this situation they were very high profile cases so people i think customers are expecting data privacy to be baked in whether there's a law behind it or not i think like it's become almost just the norm to be able to say, like, I don't want you to have my data. I don't want you to use my data for this purpose. And I, I think that's one of the most interesting things about this compared to other kinds of standards and regulations. Like, it's not protecting stuff like copyright or intellectual property. It's a very consumer, customer-driven perspective when it comes to these these new laws and these new regulations. Is that something you think that's shaping how we approach this? I do. It's really personal, you know, you mentioned kind of copyright and some of these other things. That's, that's you know, maybe my content or our company's content, but this is incredibly personal. I always like to give an example. Imagine that you're walking down the street uh, or maybe you're in your car and you had someone following you with a notebook. You went to Starbucks and got your coffee. They noted exactly what you got and and where you were in that location Then as you carry on, maybe you drop children off at a school or a a daycare, you go to work, where you park, what you have for lunch, what gym you exercise to, what songs you like to listen to. And there's literally someone following you every single point of the way. It's probably the very beginning after about two minutes, you turn around and say, what are you doing? And why are you copying all this information? 
I don't think anyone would really let them follow all day long. That's what private investigators do. And I don't think most people like those. (laughs) That's what happens online. That's where we are. And when I was building our uh, digital products, it was all anonymous data. And that was kind of the philosophy. It was non-personally identifiable. It was just a cookie. It was just an IP address. And what happened is in the MarTech space, we now have almost 10,000 companies. Like it's the MarTech 5,000. I think it's almost the MarTech 10,000, right? Between all the ad tech and MarTech companies. That is a lot of companies collecting, using, creating profiles, sharing profiles, selling. The average individual is like, that was my data. I just went to go order my coffee. I just went to go put on a song. I didn't say it was okay that you now figure out how old I am or what you're going to translate my coffee drink into some other type of profile about me. And that's why I feel the cases have been made so public and why the public cares so much. You know, if there's a data breach with information, depending on what kind of information, it's sold on the black market for like 50 cents to a dollar. But the heartache that now the individual and the burden is on the individual to go prove to the bank that no, that wasn't your transaction or no, that wasn't you who opened that account or no, it wasn't you who did X, Y, Z. The consequences are real when there's not security and when it's a privacy piece and the data is used in a way that could harm the choices to a person or that they just feel like it, their privacy like literally was violated. And sure. I think that's why it's so personal. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely a very personal thing. Um, I think it's something that people have seen the impact of it in their own lives. They've seen it happen to people they know. They've seen it happen to um, not not just ordinary people. I'm quote marking it, but you hear about it with celebrities, like data breaches and and their phones being hacked and leaked and stuff like that. So I, I can see why it's such an important personal thing to consumers. What other challenges are there besides the laws? Are there, are there certain like technology barriers that are preventing us from having effective data privacy? Are there certain certain like certain other customer demands? Like I know customers want data privacy, but they also want personalized shopping experiences, and for that you need you need data as well. Right, they do. Uh, you know, let's take kind of the technology part first. Is there are a lot of companies that are kind of put together with spaghetti and band-aids of different marketing systems, and they don't all talk to each other. I We're recording this now in the, the sea of holiday shopping. I've now come across emails that I haven't heard from people in over a year. You know, now's not the time to probably remember I was a customer one year later, so I'm going <laughs> to unsubscribe and I have found you not to be valuable. And you know what happens? It says, well, well it'll take seven to 10 days to process you from the system. From my point of view, I don't want your email the next day. And that has happened. I'm mad now. I hit the unsubscribe button. That's not my fault. You can't get your systems to talk to each other. That's a real problem is how all the systems can talk to each other. Sometimes there's even solutions to manage the consent or the preferences. You know, there's a different company and I do not need their five emails a day. And I'm not kidding, but I really actually want their emails And my only choice is on or off. There's no consent tool to let me manage those preferences. That to me is an opportunity to help manage what I want. And I can tell you, you know what? I, out of these three types of products you sell, I only want to hear from product one. 
not product two and three. And I'm willing to tell you, but if your systems aren't set up to let me do that, we're both unhappy here. (laughs) I'm not opening your emails. So you think I'm terrible and I'm deleting your emails and they're even getting into junk now because the email systems are, are seeing what's happening. And you also don't have personal personalization capabilities because you're not letting me do that. The technology piece is both a challenge and hindrance, but I think a huge opportunity. Um, you know, some of the other things are just the strategy and understanding where all the data is in the company and what you really need to create a personalized experience. And also, I think collecting too much data at the wrong time. Another story uh, seems to be particular coffee shops at least in the United States and certain cities when I have traveled and I've swiped my credit card, the financial payment processor on the other side has connected my email to my credit card because once upon a time I paid with something and you had to enter the email. And now forever, those transactions are tied together. Well, every time I now travel and go to coffee shops that happen to have this uh, particular payment processor, inevitably the next day I get an email Welcome to the coffee shop. We're so glad to have you. And I'm not kidding, but both times they've asked me for my birth date to join their loyalty so they could give me free coffee on my birthday. We have to kind of warm up here. We can't, I do want personalization and I might well love your coffee shop and want free coffee if I actually lived in that city, but you didn't get to know me enough and you ask are asking for a really personal data point right at the beginning. My hunch is any, anyone out here who goes on a date or has some friends, you probably don't ask every personal detail right at the very beginning. Maybe you do, good for you, but most people probably don't. And it's, it's the same thing. We're building a relationship with our customers. They just happen to be on the other side of technology and we have thousands or millions of them and we don't know them all. But we have to treat them like they're an individual every single touch point. Don't ask for too much data at the beginning. Create the right relationships and have technology that will be able to foster those relationships and manage those consent points because then you'll be able to comply with privacy laws. I will have opted in and I will have personalization, which means I'm happy and I actually will likely lead to more revenue when I click on the things that I actually want. You mentioned building a relationship and I guess that's kind of, when you get right down to it, kind of the entire purpose of marketers within a, a company is to build that relationship between the brand and the customer. So part of that building that relationship is building trust, of course, and data and pri- data privacy and trust, they must go hand in hand. Let's dig into that. Like how is data privacy actually a bonus to you building a relationship with the customer rather than a hindrance? Right. Well, if you, if you think about a marketer's job is to build that relationship and get me to buy something <clears throat> because companies are in business for me to buy things or else no one has a job and there's no stuff to be able to build. <laughs> now, in trying to convince me to buy the product or service, you have to explain all the features. This is why these features are going to solve my problem, why I absolutely have to have them. And you're going to list all of those different pieces. Well, nowadays, and then I have to trust that yes, your product or service is going to meet, it's going to fulfill that need. I have to have it. The data piece is the same. If I'm going to give you my information for our transaction to occur, 
I want to trust that you're going to protect that data and not use it or share it in a way that's surprising to me. People don't like, uh, unless they're like birthday good surprises and <laughs> gifts and 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 sweet notes, they don't typically love bad surprises. And when that data is used or shared to other companies and they didn't expect that, or you didn't protect it properly, I'm going to come back and blame you, the company. You have violated my trust in that situation. What can companies do instead? I'm seeing a growing trend where, as I mentioned, the long list of features, this is what companies are seeing uh, or listing as all the wonderful reasons why I have to buy your product and service and how they protect data, how they use data, what the privacy considerations are, are now part of that feature set. And I see that in B2C. I see that in B2B. Now, fun tip. I do not recommend you put those privacy and security features in the highest paid tier. I see this a lot in B2B software. That's not the way privacy and security should go. Privacy and security is a baseline and should be available for everybody, not just people who are willing to pay higher for you to protect my data. That should just be something that they're doing. I've talked to CMOs before and they'll say, you know what, I can help my sales team turn more sales if I have this information listed. Because what happens is a lot of times people have these questions, whether they're consumers or their companies, they have these questions. If you can address them up front, earlier in the funnel, earlier in the sales cycle, you're eliminating that point of friction. You're eliminating those objection points. And isn't that the whole point of the copy and the messaging and building the relationship, right? We want to convince someone this is going to be a great product and service for them. And privacy is the point of that. I want to trust you, the brand, that you care about me as an individual and not just up, I'm a data point now and you can sell me, store me carelessly, let anybody in the company have access to me. Nope, like you're going to treasure me. You're going to treasure me as a customer. And that to me is the, the brilliant part about how marketers who get that can connect and really flip what can be a burden and just a compliance activity to actually a selling feature. So it's 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 definitely a blessing and not a curse that we've reached it. Well, it would be great if we hadn't reached this point because of nefarious actions. It should be it would be great if we could have just trusted everyone to uh, treat everyone's data fairly. But it's great that it is able to be seen as this blessing rather than the curse, this the burden. Let's talk about how you actually communicate this compliance with the different laws? Because as you said, there's a lot of different laws and there's a lot of different complexities within the law. Like, do you just throw it up on a page, almost like a one of those really detailed terms and conditions and people have to scroll through and read every single bylaw that you're complying with? Or is there a more effective way to communicate this that is understandable to consumers and customers who might not have expert legal brains, but they know there are laws out there. They know, yes. they, they, know they exist. They do. Well, the first is... You do have to have the long privacy notice, which is kind of ironic because they're supposed to be short and concise and cl clear and easily readable, except they also have to include a very long list of things. So that right there is an oxymoron. Uh, but you do need to have, just to check the box from a compliance activity, the long list. And what we're finding is people are having them kind of by region. And depending on the company determines, do you literally need a separate notice by region or 
Can you just have one big notice and then a hyperlink to the specific sections? I highly recommend hyperlinks in your privacy notice. I also highly recommend a summary and kind of a visual representation of the privacy notice. Put, uh, you know, people purchase and see better when it's visual. So could you have a box that's really colorful? Here's the kind of data I collect. Here's the kind of data I use. Here's the kind of data I share. Oh, you want the big long version? Great. Click here. Oh, you're in the EU? Click over here for your section. California, your section. Virginia and everybody else, your section over here. I've seen it even for other countries, Brazil, Canada, you can kind of keep going again, depending on your complexity. That's kind of the legal policy answer. At the same time, there's a lot of play other places where you're collecting data, and it should be a little bit more like a just-in-time. Maybe you're a site and you need you have a quiz. Maybe it's um, a mattress site. You want to understand how I sleep, or maybe you're a, a wellness site and supplements and you want to understand my conditions a little bit more so you can recommend the best vitamin D, B, and multi for me. Well, in some of those examples, I might have to give you what might not be deemed officially sensitive data according to a law, but as a customer, I might not really want to give you, you know, here's my specific diseases that I have or my health ailments without knowing what you're going to do with that information. But I really need to give it to you so I know which vitamins I need to be buying. Or I need to tell you I have sleep apnea so that I can get the right mattress. Right? I have to, have to be able to do that. That is where you can say why you need that information, how you're going to protect that information, how you're not going to share it with other people in clear language right there. And then you also can link to the official privacy notice. But those are places where you can eliminate the objection of why someone might not want to give you accurate data. Anyone listening ever not wanted to give the accurate question, how much is your household worth? How many kids do you have? How, how old are they? Why does no one ever want to give that information? Because they feel like it's going to be used against them, shared in some way that they don't trust. How can you flip that? How can you change that? Well, we really need to know your household income so we can get you the best rate. We won't use it for any other purpose. See our privacy values here. You know, again, I'm seeing more trust pages, privacy center pages that are beautiful, visually appealing, just like the rest of the site. So far, the privacy notice is always the like lonely stepchild. It just gets this boring link at the bottom and here's some random copy. It's not even always formatted prettily. Instead, make it actually another good page and make, here's how we protect data. Here's our security measures. Do you have security certifications? List those. Do you have someone responsible for privacy? List that. Do you connect privacy to any of your ESG initiatives, which I'm seeing more and more? Do you have principles? All of those things kind of tell the story of who you are as a company and very specifically about you as a company as it relates to data and privacy and the more you do that in these little bite-sized chunks all over the site, then people will begin to believe, oh, this is actually how the company uses data. These are like its real principles. It didn't just do it because someone told them they had to comply with the law. I, I was literally just about to say that, Jody. that this is what it sounds to me like you're having your brand personality on your, your privacy policy page. It shows that it's baked into the brand it's not just some afterthought. It's not just something that the lawyers have told you you've got to have on the site. It shows that it's something that's been very carefully considered. And I really like the idea of having visual elements to it because it makes it more accessible as well. Like you need 
your privacy notices to be accessible to everyone who could be possibly buying the uh, purchasing the product whether that's someone who might have trouble reading all that big loads of text someone who might not be able to get their head around all the different legal notices and stuff but as long as they're able to understand the principles behind the privacy notice i think that's a really really effective way of looking at it so these are sort of like small steps that cmos can be taking now is there anything else that they should be looking at in order to really like sure. set themselves up properly some of the the biggest one right now and it's uh, extremely ex- easy to see and spot if it's done right or wrong which is the cookie banner This is another place that brands can really put their personality on. I've seen all kinds of fun. Actually, I just saw the other day we're having this discussion. People thought, you know, if you're in the UK, should it really be biscuits instead of cookies? (laughs) Right. I mean, it's, it's the idea of having some fun and in all seriousness, though, not all cookie laws are considered equal and not all cookies are equal. You really have to understand your overall approach to cookies are you going to be opt in in some regions, opt out in other regions? Are, are you going to have all kinds of cookies and utilize a software that will help you manage that? And that's just a really easy one. Um, the other really big theme that we're starting to see is the idea of dark patterns. You have regulators who don't like dark patterns. And a dark pattern in a cookie banner, as an example, would be making the accept cookie button bigger and more colorful and easy to see and the reject cookie button, boring, hard to see, smaller, um, you know, lighter color. And so the eye is naturally going to go to the accept. That's an example of a dark pattern. While regulators don't like those, and we've talked about there's this do it because it, you have to and do it because it's the right thing. It again kind of goes to what do your consumers believe. They don't want to be tricked. It's like anytime... You know, the cookie banner example is the same as when you're on a page, you're going to buy something and someone tries to upsell you insurance or some add-on and they already have the yes pre-checked. It's already in the total and you have to catch that and make sure that you've removed it, right? No one likes that. They feel tricked. They feel they're mad at the company for doing that. The same is true on the privacy side. Make sure you have the buttons even. Make sure you understand your approach. and then. If you're going to block cookies and the user says reject cookies, you actually have to make sure that that works. It sounds really common. And of course that would happen, but it it actually doesn't. A lot of people think I put the cookie banner up, I put the buttons and I'm done. And that is not a true statement. There are settings and you have to make sure it actually works on your site. So make sure you talk to whoever is responsible for that and testing it on your site it's an easy fix but but really important speaking of sort of like site architecture and stuff like that there's probably quite a lot of older sites out there that might still be operating using certain plugins or certain uh, pixels in there that don't conform to modern standards of data privacy how do you go about identifying that if that is the situation is there is there a, a simple method to really double check that everything in your site is is conforming to standards and practices? For yes, and sort of. Uh, For the world of cookies, many of the the really good cookie tools that are out there today 
will do a scan of your site and it will find all of the, you know, various trackers that are there. And some do, you know, different, they, they all approach scans slightly differently, but those will be really great for you to find some old tracker and, and something that is on there. And then, you know, everyone should be doing some type of site audit. Whoever is hosting your site, make sure you have someone who is reviewing that on a regular basis. Everyone's regular basis is going to be different. I'd say at least once a year. If you're doing a lot, maybe it should be once a quarter. But have someone going through and figuring out, you know, what is what is happening here. There's site hosting companies that will also scan sites for vulnerabilities and say, oh, this one did an update and things along those lines. So those would be my um, my suggestions for that. Awesome, awesome. And and circling back to something you said earlier about different systems not communicating pro- properly and that being an issue when it comes to customers' perceptions of data protection, data privacy. I, I imagine a simple solution to that is just to consolidate your tools onto one a single platform. What if that's not really an option for you at the time? How can you make sure that your systems are set up and communicating properly so that data is protected and kept private and used properly? Right. And it's the reality to not be able to have it all on one system. You have to make sure that the systems can talk to each other. I highly recommend you need at least someone paying attention to privacy in your company. It does not have to be full-time. We come into companies all the time and we are the fractional team. They don't have a full-time person, but we're working with someone to make sure that it's clear what's happening in the organization. There's, uh, let's take just a couple areas in marketing. You're going to have email marketing, you could have webinars, you could have trade shows, you're going to have digital advertising. If we just focused on those four, those could be four different people in the company. Who is understanding the data flowing through that business process and understanding it? You need to have someone doing that. And then you want to work with your IT and security team to be able to manage access to those systems. Does everyone have access to only the right people have access to it? And what are the security measures in place for those? If I pick on email as an example, this is one of my favorite places where privacy can really come together. Everyone listening is probably super familiar. You need to be able to opt out. In some situations, it has to be opt in. But let's talk more about that. If I opt out, I kind of picked on some companies earlier, right? It, it wasn't seamless. We'll test the process. What do you need to do to let me opt out so it works across? There are consent platforms that you can sit on top of your systems. So if you have multiple systems, you can connect all of those to one consent platform. That's one solution. And even if that's not a solution, a lot of the email service providers these days will allow you to have multiple things that I could opt into. Instead, I call it the save the unsubscribe. Instead of me unsubscribing cold turkey and I'm gone now and you don't know what else happened to me, could you offer me a preference center through your email service provider? I want to opt in for newsletters once a month, twice a month, and the webinar thing. That sounds great, but I don't want all this other stuff. Or I just want women's products and not kids' products. Whatever it is, being able to use the tools you already have, and also some of the different tools you already have, have different privacy settings built into them. Some are turned on by default, some are not, and you have to turn them on. The key to knowing which tools you need to deal with is going back to that business process understanding. We call it a data inventory. Anyone listening, literally take out a list and write down all the marketing processes that you have. Then think about what are the tools to use those processes. And I prefer you to do process first, not tools first, for a reason. Tools just tell you what data you have, not how you're using it. We like to do it the other way because the whole point of these laws is about 
protecting, yes. But more importantly, well, equally importantly, my security friends listening might, won't be happy with that statement. So both um, is how you're using the data. I have to tell you what you're doing. I have to have a legal basis in some places. So I have to know what you're doing. Have all those business processes. And then you're going to start figuring out which tools they're in. And from there, you can start realizing, oh, I should go in this tool and make sure I have all my right privacy settings. You have to have that as the foundation. You have to have someone who's going to remotely pay attention to that plan. And that's how you can kind of begin this privacy journey. And then you come up with the right cadence for how often you have to update all these things. But it all starts with the data and understanding the data. And then you can determine, do you need it? another tool on top, like a consent management? Are the tools and settings within each one going to be enough? You just, you have to start with knowing the data. Let, let's talk a bit more about the the tools, like the consent management tools. Like how, what point are we at with them in terms of sophistication? Are they able to adapt to all these new laws and regulations coming out effectively? Or is it about you paying attention to what's possible currently and then having to adapt, pick a new tool as new things get rolled out? Great question. There are some really great tools that are smart and they will be able to tell you, oh, you want to be able to have these options for people in the UK versus these options for people in France or Jody in Atlanta, Georgia versus Jody in California. And it can be smart enough to be able to kind of show here's what my options are. As a company, I might also choose, you know what, I don't want it to be that specific. Just give all the people in the US this and all the people in the EU that. Or I just want to be global. Some companies have have been global. I just want to give it to everybody. But they're smart enough to know at least the minimums requirements of the laws. And then companies can make decisions on top of that of do they want to go above and beyond their minimum requirements. Um, but there are a number of, of different solutions that are out there that can then help tie all the places where data is coming in. And that's kind of the beauty of those options and consent management platforms is it won't be just the opt-in and opt-out. It can also be trying to get them to what they're really looking for to help you on personalization efforts. And then also to be able to manage the individual rights requirements. Great stuff. I mean, it sounds really interesting like how these tools are able to keep track of these different areas and the different regions. Um, I imagine it takes a lot of data, but that's another question entirely. Um, so it sounds like we are moving in the right direction, largely. Are there any major things in the future that CMOs need to be aware of in terms of new laws and new technologies that are coming out that might impact their approach to data privacy? On the law side, we're just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> there are new laws that were introduced, honestly, uh, earlier this week in, in Australia, India is continuing to introduce and, and trying to pass one. Canada has a new one that it's trying to introduce to put it on par with, with uh, GDPR. Israel just announced that it's looking to potentially offer EU residents a higher standard than even its own residents. Wow. And here in the United States, we are only 10% of the states have laws and we're literally just getting started there will likely be more states to pass this coming legislative season. Last year, we had more than 25 states introduce law or legislation. They didn't all get passed, but they're continuing to introduce. And the same will likely be true this year. And at a national level, which is the big question I always get, are we going to have a national federal privacy law here in the U.S.? 
One has been introduced that was the closest it's ever been to passing. We've had legislation introduced all the time, but it never really made it far. We had one very far this summer. It has a couple sticking points that are pretty big, and it's kind of like any other political issue. It's really hard to determine <laughs> what's going to actually happen. Um, I think at some point we will, if it's going to be imminent, is really just a political dart. Otherwise, everyone should brace for for more laws, more complexity. And now is really the time to get that foundation in place, understand the data you have, create a process for as you create new campaigns, new strategies, you want to use new cool tools. You want those to be evaluated from a privacy perspective first. And while there are laws, if you build a good foundation, like we talked about at the beginning, where you understand the basic principles and you're able to evaluate that at the beginning of a strategy or a new campaign, then you can manage what you're going to need to do so much more easily. And it won't feel like a big lift and a big burden. It'll just be no different than how much money does this cost and how many people do I need? And oh, how long is it going to take to implement the tech? And do I have a contract? Those are all things that people know they have to ask. And privacy isn't quite yet invited to the table everywhere, but we're we're getting closer. Great stuff. And yeah, as you're, you're right entirely, like prepare now so you don't have to play catch up when you have to do it, I suppose is the best approach. Um, Jody, you mentioned at the beginning uh, sort of three core principles when it comes to data privacy. Let, let's bring them back to sort of tie everything together um, as sort of like the golden rules that CMO should be following. So do you want to reiterate those? Uh, those sure. Things? The first is transparency notice. You're required to have a privacy notice. Uh, very simple. I, I often have a, a fun cartoon when I do presentations and it's say what you do and do what you say. That's it. What kind of activities are you doing? Tell people these are the kinds of things you're doing. This is the kind of data I collect. This is how I use it. This is how I share it. You as an organization know what you're doing. As you do new cool things, you're evaluating against the privacy notice and determining, can I, can't I? And then the should you and shouldn't you? There's not just privacy law. That's like the floor, the minimum. We want to think about what does the customer expect? And should that be okay? You know, uh, is that what a customer would anticipate would happen with their data? The other is choices. That is kind of connected. You know what? You're using my data. I don't really like that as a customer. What choices do I have? Privacy laws require you to have choices. They call them individual rights or data subject access requests. So those are uh, required and I have to have choices. But the more choices I have, the more in control a person feels. And that's what people want. They want content that they feel in control and that doesn't surprise them. Give them more choices. They probably won't take them as much. In fact, people only take the choices when you've made them mad and deliver great content to deliver great value, deliver great product and service. Don't make them mad. And they're probably never going to execute on any of those because it's only the unhappy people who are going to. And then the third is really understanding what you're doing and thinking about that business purpose from the customer's point of view, not the company's point of view. 
Excellent. I think that's a great, great note to end on there, Jody. Good call to action for our CMOs and our listeners out there. Thank you very much for joining me today, Jody. As I said, this has been a topic that I've wanted to tackle for a while on the show. So it's great to have your perspective on things. I've certainly learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners have too. So I'm sure they appreciate you being here. And I'd like to thank our listeners as well for joining us. Um, as I said, very, very important topic for, for all CMOs and all marketing leaders. So I hope you've uh, appreciated it today. We'll be back soon with some more CMO combos. Like what you heard from this CMO combo? Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was. 